Let's turn over to the book of Acts chapter 3. And I'm eventually going to try and get over to Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. But I wanted to start here to illustrate what I was talking about last night. Last night, I basically kind of gave an introduction that most of the body of Christ believes that God is all powerful, but he has to be petitioned and begged and pleaded with and coerced to be able to move in our behalf. Uh, One of the examples, this applies to every part of our life, but one of the examples is in the area of healing. Most of you believe God can heal. When I had these people give their testimony that they've been healed, man, most of you, that's awesome. I wished he would do that for me. That's kind of the attitude of a lot of people. The truth is he has done it for you. It's done. And it's the wrong mindset to think that I've got to go and petition God and get God to heal me. People come to me all of the time thinking that somehow or another, I have the healing power of God in a different way than other people do. And they, they just come to me and want me to give them healing. And I try and get across to people that I don't have anything that you don't have. The only difference would be the knowledge that I've got that has allowed me to utilize and draw on what God has put on the inside of me. But we need to quit looking to just individuals as somehow or another, they've had something special of the Lord. And we need to recognize what we already have from God. I was trying to introduce that last night that God's already done his part. And instead of you having to go and ask God to heal you, God has already put his raising from the dead power on the inside of you before you ever got sick. You have it all of the time, 24-7. The same anointing that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. That's what I was sharing last night. Here's an example of this in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John were going into the temple at the hour of prayer. And this beggar was there who uh, called out and asked them to give him, uh, asked them to give him some money. And in verse four, Peter said, Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have Give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And you find out in the next chapter when they were rehearsing this before the scribes and the Pharisees and having to defend it, that this man had been this way for 38 years. He had been crippled from his mother's womb. So he had never walked. His legs had atrophied. There was no muscle. There was nothing. This was an absolute total miracle. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto you. Did you know that Peter would have been kicked out of nearly any spirit-filled faith church in the United States for saying such a thing? The attitude of most people is you can't do anything. You have nothing. And we love to come up with these kind of expressions about, oh, we are nothing and we have nothing. God, we are just nobodies, but you can do anything. 
You know, that looks good on the surface, but it's wrong. I touched on this last night that without Jesus, I can do nothing. And that's true. In just my physical, natural self, I'm nothing, but I'm never without Jesus. He promised he wouldn't leave me nor forsake me. And I am a new creature in Christ. And because of that, in my spirit, I was born again with the supernatural power of God, the same faith that raised Christ from the dead. And it is accurate for me to say that I have the healing power of God, and I can give it unto you in the name of Jesus. That's accurate. And yet most churches would kick somebody out for doing what Peter did saying, I have the power of God. And did you know, Peter didn't even pray a prayer. Peter didn't even pray and say, Oh God, we know it's not us. It's you. You know, this friend of mine, Dave Duell, this, this guy, he was over in, I think it was Nigeria and he held a crusade. This has been 20 or 30 years ago. And he saw a lot of miracles happen and people heal, blind eyes open, deaf ears open and things like this. And so the very next day he was walking down the street in Nigeria and they saw people recognized him from the night before. And so people started coming up and wanting to touch him. And they were just so excited. And Dave's first reaction was to say, no, no, it's not me. It's not me. Don't touch me. It's all Jesus. But before he could react to these people coming to him, the Lord spoke to him and said, Dave. And he said, what? And (laughs) the Lord said, when I was riding into Jerusalem on that donkey and the people were shouting and saying, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And they were throwing their clothes on the ground so that the donkey could walk on top of it. What would you have thought if the donkey would have said, it's not me, it's not me. (laughs) He said, nobody was praising the donkey. They were praising the one riding him. And he says, people aren't praising you. They recognize me in you. And Dave said, he just started walking through and letting them touch him. We got so much religious junk on the inside of us and we think that people are praising us because we're somebody. I guarantee you, if if people are coming and wanting to touch you, it's because they recognize Jesus on the inside of you and just let them touch you. Amen. Amen. We need to recognize that we contain the power of God. Peter and John, this is why they saw this man healed because they said in myself, I don't have anything, but what I do have in my spirit, man, I'll give unto you. And they just gave this man healing. They reached out and grabbed him by the hand and lifted him up. They had the healing power of God. You have the healing power of God. You know, anytime you talk about healing, people will always bring up, what about the people that died? What about this? What about that? And people look at the people that don't receive and they wonder why didn't God do something? The reason God didn't do something is because God doesn't move independent of us. Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 says, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God flows through us according to the power that works in us. You know why people are dying today and not getting their healing? Because there's a lot, I'd say the vast majority of Christians are not taking their God-given authority and power and using it and speaking and resisting. They may be praying, they may be begging, they may call the church prayer chain. That's one of the worst things you can do. 
not in every situation, but in many situations, the worst thing you can do is get a hundred people in unbelief talking about your sickness (laughs) and saying, oh God, they're going to die. Do something. That's the worst thing you can do. You know, I mentioned Barry's wife and Ann. <laughs> I was trying to get her to tell me, Ann, what's wrong with you? Do you have any pain? Do you have cancer? And that woman would not tell me nothing. She wouldn't speak forth any doubt and unbelief. I just knew that something was wrong with her. And praise God, she got healed. But you, one of the worst things you can do is when you have a problem is let everybody know about it and let everybody start talking death over you and speaking death over you. And that's what happens. You just multiply the problem when you go to most church prayer chains. That's true. When Jesus, you know, he was casting the demon out of the boy in the ninth chapter of the book of Mark. And when he saw the crowd come running together, he cast that demon out quick before all those unbelievers got over there and could release their unbelief. One of the worst things you can do is tell everybody all of your problems. But, but we just come and, oh God, we have nothing. And we ask everybody else for prayer. And all we do is beg and ask God instead of somebody standing up and taking their authority and say, I have the healing power of God in the name of Jesus. I command you to get well. And then don't just speak it, act on it. Grab them, yank them out of the wheelchair. <laughs> you know, there's a balance to what I'm saying because the other person has a part to play in this. The sixth chapter of the book of Mark, Jesus was in his hometown and there were many sick folk there, but it says he could do, not that he wouldn't do, but he could do no miracle, no mighty miracle, save that he laid his hand upon a few sick folk. And if you put this together with Matthew 6, uh, 13, 58, which is the exact same story, it says there he couldn't do the many mighty works because of their unbelief. It wasn't Jesus that had the problem, but people have to cooperate. And when he was in a situation where there was total unbelief, it hindered what Jesus was able to do. If Jesus was hindered by the unbelief of the people he was ministering to, then you're going to be hindered by the unbelief of the people you're ministering to. You aren't going to get better results than Jesus did. So you do have to take into account the other person. But I'm saying that most of the time, we don't ever recognize the authority and the power that God has given us. And we just beg God and ask God for healing. And then we sit there and we're passive, just waiting on God to do something. The truth is God's waiting on somebody to do something. He flows through us. And the reason that people aren't being healed is because there's very few people who are aggressive in their faith and will take responsibility and say, I've got the healing power of God and I'm going to resist this thing and fight against it. And very few people are aggressive. Most people are very, very passive when it comes to all of these kind of things. And that's the reason they don't get healed. And this man was healed because Peter and John said that they knew that they had this. They didn't even pray a prayer. They just commanded healing to come. And then they grabbed the man by the hand and lifted him up. He had never walked in his life. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. People say, where is the God of, of Peter? The answer is, where is the Peters of God? <laughs> it's not God who's changed. It's the people that don't stand up and take their authority. And this is what I'm trying to get across that God's already done his part. We aren't waiting on God to move. God has already provided everything. When it comes to being born again, 
You don't ask God to come die for you. You don't hear somebody talk about that. He died 2000 years ago for those people. And if you will pray, maybe Jesus will come back to the earth and die for you. See, you don't look at it that way. It looks at it as it's already done. He died for the sins of the whole world. And even those who hadn't been born yet, we're 2000 years after the fact. And Jesus has already paid for our sins. It's a done deal. And so it's so easy to receive salvation because you aren't asking God to come and save you. You're believing the good news that he's already done it. And all you're doing is receiving what was already yours. That's why it's so easy to get saved and so hard for most people to be healed. When in, if you think about it logically, it ought to be easier for you to be healed than it was to get saved. Because when you first believed for salvation, you were a child of the devil. Your nature was a child of the devil. You belonged to him. You were carnal. There wasn't, a, there wasn't any of us that had been fasting and praying and seeking God and doing all of these good things before we got born again. You were living like the devil. You didn't have any goodness to your name. You didn't have anything going for you. And yet you heard the good news about how Jesus died for, to forgive your sins. You believe and receive it and receive the greatest miracle that you could ever receive. And that's the forgiveness of sins. You become born again. And if Satan ever had right to stop you, he should have had right to stop you from getting saved because you were his legally. But he couldn't do a thing except tell you you didn't get it. All he could do is just play mind games with you. He couldn't stop you from being born again. Now that you're born again, you are God's child. And you have God living on the inside of you and receiving your eyes open, your ears open, receiving the healing of cancer, being raised from the dead ought to be minor in comparison to be raised from the dead spiritually. It ought to be easier to get healed than it was to get saved. But you know why most people don't have as good success? Because they see getting your sins forgiven is something that was already done and it's just a matter of you reach out and receive it. But when it comes to healing, that's not already done. You have to go get God to do that. You have to do something to motivate him. And you aren't sure whether he will do it or not. If you could ever see that it's already been accomplished, you are just as much healed of cancer as you were forgiven of sins. God doesn't have to do something to heal you. If you want to get saved today, Jesus doesn't have to come to earth and die for your sins and forgive your sins. He's already forgiven the sins of the whole world. First John chapter two, verse two says that he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He has already paid for the sins of the whole world. 2000 years ago, our sins were paid for. They're paid for, but you have to reach out and receive it in order to make it real in your life. But it's so easy because it's already been done. But when it comes to healing, most people see healing as something that isn't done. Why do they think that? Because they got a pain in their body, because they got a doctor's report that told them that they're sick. And to most people, what they see and what they feel is more important and more real than what they believe. But the truth is that what has happened in the spiritual realm and in the spirit, we read that last night, Ephesians chapter one, verses 18 and 19. In your spirit, you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. You have raising from the dead power on the inside of you. It's infinitely greater than cancer, than a headache, than whatever it is that you're dealing with. You've already got it. If you could see that you've already got it, 
you would start receiving healing as easily as you receive forgiveness of sins. You would receive joy as easy as you receive forgiveness of sins. But see, people look at that as already been done and all you have to do is just receive it. But healing, I've got to go do something to make God heal me. It's not true. God has already done it. It's already past tense. If you need to be healed today, Jesus is not going to take stripes on his back to produce your healing. He did that 2000 years ago. His part is already done. He is seated at the father's right hand. The significance of that is he's not up working. He's not healing people. He's not doing things. Everything that you are going to receive from God was accomplished through Jesus 2000 years ago. And he is now seated. It's done. You don't have to ask him to heal you. He's already healed you. The power is inside of you. You've got to learn to release it and to draw out what has already been done instead of getting God to do it. I know some of you are just shocked. Like, I can't understand this. You're telling me I've already got it and yet I hurt. You just don't understand. No, you don't understand. You don't understand that there is a spiritual world. And that God is a spirit and that God moves in the spiritual world. And you receive from God, from your spirit, from the inside out, not from the outside in. In your spirit, you've already got everything that you will ever have. When you stand before God in eternity, you're going to find out that your spirit is just as perfect this moment as it will ever be in eternity. One third of your salvation is over with. It's perfect. It's complete. You are identical to Jesus in your spirit. Man, that's awesome. I know some of you, that's a brand new wrinkle in your brain. It's like you've never had that thought before. You've never heard anybody say this. But there is a you that you don't know that you can only know by getting in the word of God. Let me turn over to Ephesians chapter two. I'm going to start on this. I don't know how far we'll get, but Ephesians chapter two, if you'll remember last night, I was taking the prayer from Ephesians chapter one, verses 15 through the end of the chapter. And he prayed that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. You know, let me just add this, that this is something that I believe you can only receive by a direct revelation of the Holy Spirit. I can't intellectually convince a person of this because I'm talking about things that can't be seen. You know, when it comes to certain things, like for instance, there's people who believe that uh, prosperity is a a wrong doctrine. And I've I've heard people on radio before call my name and say, I'm one of those uh, prosperity preachers. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, preachers. (laughs) And I've had people criticize me. If a person was to sit down with me, I could take the word of God and scripture and I could show you that prosperity is a part of our atonement. And I could argue a person to a place to where they still have to accept or reject it. I can't make them accept it, but I could get them to understand it. I could get them, I could show them through scripture and I could argue them into a corner, paint them into a corner where they have to acknowledge, well, I understand what you're saying. When it comes to healing, I can show people that it's God's will that every single person be well. 
And they could throw up questions. They could throw up Job. They could ask me about what about this? God smiting Uzziah with leprosy. I can answer those things and I can show you how in the new covenant, it's God's will for every person to be well. And even though they might or might not accept it and live, live by it, I can still convince them and they could understand what I'm saying. But when it comes to these things that we're talking about, I cannot make a person see this. I have talked to people till I'm blue in the face And they just look at me and still don't get it. I don't know exactly what that is, but this is something that from my experience only comes by revelation. And so I'm encouraging you this morning to open up your heart and let the Holy Spirit give you a revelation of this because you can't just figure this out with your little peanut brain. This is beyond our ability to comprehend the things of God with just your mind. You have to understand this with your heart. Your heart has much, much better ability of comprehending and understanding things than your head does. So here in Ephesians chapter two, right after he had prayed that their eyes would be opened to all of these awesome things that they have, it says in chapter two, verse one, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. It's already been done. You have already been quickened. The word quickened means to make alive. You've already been made alive. And some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not made alive because you're focused on the pain in your body. You're focused on the lack of finances. You're focused on the divorce that you're going through. You're focused on something in the physical, natural. In the natural, you haven't been made alive. You've got a physical body that is still susceptible to death and to sickness and to things like this. But this is talking about your spirit, man, has been quickened and made alive. And in the spirit, you are a brand new person. You are identical to Jesus. You have his mind, 1 Corinthians 2, 16. You have everything that he has. Your spirit, man, is awesome. You have been quickened. You are made alive. Again, you have to have this by revelation because most people go look in the mirror and think this is alive. (laughs) Your physical body is not what it's talking about. It's not talking about physical life. This is talking about a supernatural Zoe, God kind of life in the spirit. You have been quickened and made alive, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. There's a great message in that. I'm not going to preach it, but you know what? Most people don't understand this, that if a person's not born again, there is a demonic spirit at work in them. All of the demons aren't in Africa. In verse three, it says, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature, the children of wrath, even as others, you had a sinful nature in you. You don't have that anymore. That's a radical statement for most people in verse four, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ for by grace are you saved. Here again, this word quickened means made alive. You have been made alive in Christ in your spirit. You're alive. There isn't any death in you. There isn't any sickness. There isn't any sadness. There isn't any poverty. There isn't any fear. Your spirit man is perfect. 
Romans chapter six says it's identical to Jesus. And likewise, reckon yourself to be dead in sin, but alive unto God. First Peter chapter four, verse one says that we should have this same mind in us, which was also in Christ Jesus and many other places. We need to think the way that Jesus thinks because in your spirit, you're identical to Jesus. You have his power, his life, his ability. You've been quickened. You in the spirit, man, you are as alive as you can possibly get. And if you would walk in the spirit, then your physical body would become alive. Your finances would become alive. Your emotions would become alive. If you're depressed, defeated, and sick, you're walking in the flesh instead of in the spirit. That's tight, but it's right. In verse six, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This says you're saved by grace through faith. You aren't saved by grace alone. Now up here in verse five, the last part of that verse says, by grace, you're saved. So it's not wrong to say that you're saved by grace because you're emphasizing that that was the way that it came. But technically speaking, you aren't saved by grace alone. You're saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8. If grace alone saved you, then every person would be saved because, keep your finger here, I'll come back, but over here in Titus chapter two, that's the book right in front of Philemon and then Hebrews, Titus chapter two. And in verse 10, it says, for by grace, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. If grace alone saved you, then every person would be saved because God's grace is consistent to every person and it has come to every person. Grace by definition means that it's unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor. And so if it's unearned, unmerited, undeserved, then that means that every person has had the same grace extended unto them. It doesn't matter if they're seeking God, if they're good people, if they're bad people. It doesn't matter if they're an adulterer, a liar, a thief, a murderer, or if you are a righteous person. If it's by grace, it has nothing to do with your goodness. The grace of God is the same for every person on the face of the earth. So if grace alone saved you, every person would be saved because God's grace has come to every person. But not every person is saved. Why? Because it's not grace alone that saves you. You have to respond positively to God's grace. Faith is your response to God's grace. It's important that you get this in its balance because see, again, I I mentioned this earlier, but most people in the body of Christ will either emphasize one or the other. They'll talk about it's all the grace of God and they'll tell you it's not based on your holiness and they'll make some good points out of that, that you know what, you shouldn't be condemned over failures because it's the grace of God. God's not moving in your life based on your performance. God's never had anybody qualified working for him yet. 
And so there's a lot of good things to learn, see, from talking about the grace of God, that it's not according to your performance. But if all you do is emphasize grace, it makes people think that it's all just totally up to the grace of God. It's just up to God. God's one that chooses who gets, who receives and who does all this. And that's not true. God's grace is consistent to everybody, but not everybody receives from God because not everybody responds to the grace of God in faith. Now here's the other side. Some people will just emphasize faith and say, you've got to believe God. You've got to take a stand. You've got to rebuke. You've got to pray. You've got to study. And they talk about all of the things that you have to do. If you aren't careful, you will get to where it all, all of the burden comes on your shoulders. You've got to make God move. You've got, you're the one that's responsible for everything. And I tell you what, there are people that are just worn out, beat down by all of the things that they have to do. The abuse of faith teaching, if you don't teach faith properly, the abuse of that is legalism and condemnation. But the abuse of grace is passiveness and lasciviousness and thinking that things just operate case or sera, whatever will be, will be. That's wrong. There's an abuse on either side. You know, out where I live, we have dirt roads and they have these huge drainage ditches on both sides and we get snow. And if you start slipping and sliding, the tendency is for people to avoid this ditch. They'll overcorrect and turn so hard. They go all the way across the road and get in the other ditch. One ditch isn't better than the other ditch. If you're going to get home, you got to stay in the middle. And if you are going to see the power of God operating in your life, you've got to avoid the ditch on both sides. And there's some people who've seen the faith people and how that they've just made it such a work and it's so legalistic and it's so condemning that they go the other direction into the grace of God and they think that that's balance. You got to have the proper balance between the two. You know, it's like this illustration about sodium and chloride. Sodium is a poison. Chloride is a poison. If you eat enough sodium, it'll kill you. You eat enough chloride, it'll kill you. They're poisons. And yet you mix them together and it becomes salt and you'll die without it. Did you know grace will kill you if all you do is talk about it's just all up to God and I have nothing to do. I don't have to believe God. I don't have to stand on the word. I don't have to do anything right? That'll kill you. And the other side will kill you. If you're all over here saying, you've got to do it. It's all up to you. You've got to make God do something. That'll kill you. But you start putting faith in what God has already done. And it becomes a balance between grace and faith. And you can't live without it. And most of the body of Christ, I believe is out of balance in this area. This is something that you've got to understand. So grace is God's part. Grace is what God does. And did you know that God died for you 2000 years ago through Jesus. He came to this earth. He purchased forgiveness of sins. He purchased healing of your body. He purchased prosperity, deliverance from oppression, joy, peace, happiness. Any good thing was already done through Jesus 2000 years ago. And since it was 2000 years ago, before you and I existed, before we lived and before we had ever done anything good or bad, it certainly had nothing to do with your performance. God didn't look at you and think, oh, you're so good. I'm going to come die for you. Before you existed, he died for you. Before you ever got sick, he healed you. Before you were ever poor, he's already prospered you. 
Everything's already been done 2,000 years ago. By grace, God has done his part. It's over. He's not healing people today. He's not saving people today. He's not moving today. God's already moved 2,000 years ago. People are hearing this and people by faith reach out and appropriate what God has already provided by grace. You know, when I was a kid in, um, I was about, this is right before I got born again. This is one of the illustrations that helped me to get born again. But I was at a vacation Bible school in our church and we had about 600 kids at this thing. And typically my family sat right down here on the front pew right there. It's like, we were like skunks. We had our own pew. It was our pew. That's where we sat. So I always sat on the very front, but in this thing, they marched us in according to the classes. And I was at the very back of the auditorium. Uh, and I was sitting on the back row and this man stood up and he took a dollar bill back when I was a kid, a dollar bill was exciting. Amen. And he held this dollar bill up and he said, I'll give this dollar bill to the first kid that comes up here and takes it. And I mean, just instantly there was 20 or 30 kids just like this all around him. And they were all jumping. I want it. I want it. And I thought of all of the times to be at the back row. And this guy, he just kept his hand up like this. And he says, he kept repeating this. I'll give this dollar bill to the first kid that comes up here and takes it. And everybody was wondering, what's he talking about? Every one of them wants it. Why doesn't he give it to them? And he just kept repeating this. He said it four or five times. And finally, my lightning fast mind figured out what he was saying. And I got out of my seat. I ran down the aisle. I pushed my way through those other kids and he had his hand up like this. And I reached up and grabbed his arm and climbed up his side. And I grabbed that dollar bill out of his hand. And he said, that's the first kid that came up here and took it. He said, every one of you wanted it, but you didn't take it. He says, it was yours for the taking. But I said, I'll give this to the first kid that comes up and takes it. None of you took it. See, this is an illustration of salvation. God by grace has provided salvation, healing, deliverance, but you have to take it. You can either emphasize the taking and say, it's all me. It was my taking that made it happen. Well, my taking wouldn't have done anything if he hadn't held a dollar bill up. I could have reached out and grabbed all day long. If there wasn't a dollar there, it wouldn't have profited me. His grace provided it, but then I had to take it. That's an, that's an illustration of grace and faith. It's not one or the other. It's a combination of the two. God by grace has already provided everything you will ever need. You don't need to ask God for anything. Now there's nothing wrong with that. It depends on how you ask. You know, I used this illustration one time with Ashley when he was in school. And I had my keys in my pocket. I don't have my keys in my pocket, but I said, here's my car keys. And if I said, Ashley, I'm going to let you have my car keys. And if I just by grace offered him my car keys, I said, that doesn't mean that he deserved it. Doesn't mean he earned it. It was just something I was offering to him. But then after class, he could come up and he says, he could say, can I have your car keys? And I said, he could ask it in a way like, can I have your car keys? Were you serious? Did you really mean that? Would you let me drive your car? Now see, that would be unbelief. Or he can come up and say, can I have your car keys? And that's really no question mark to it. It's a demand. 
All he's doing is a polite way of saying, you promised it now. Can I have your car keys? And you know, as soon as class was over, Ashley walked right up and says, can I have your car keys? And I gave him my car keys and he went driving in my brand new Jeep. It was nice, wasn't it? But anyway, see, it, so the scripture says you have not because you ask not. I'm not saying it's wrong to ask and say, Father, I'm asking you to heal me. But it depends on what you mean by that. If you mean, Father, I, I don't really believe that I'm healed because the doctor says I'm not. So would you please heal me? That's all unbelief. But if you come up and say, Father, I believe you said that by your stripes I was healed. Now I'm asking you to heal me. It's like in the Lord's prayer. He says, give us this day our daily bread. But there's no question mark there. It was a command. Give us this day our daily bread. You're making a demand. You believe that his goodness has already provided it. Now you're ready for it. So give it to me. It's like a kid when they come into the house and they say, mom, give me something to eat. They aren't demanding it. They aren't making you do it. They believe in your grace and in your goodness. But because of that relationship, they just come in and say, I want what's mine. Give me something to eat. And so it's not wrong to ask for something, but technically speaking, you don't have to ask. God by grace has already provided it. Did you know when it comes to forgiveness of sins, you will hear people say that you've got to come and you've got to ask God to forgive you of your sins. There's not a scripture that talks about that. It's not scriptural to ask God to forgive you of your sins. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. You can't find it in scripture. I can show you many, many places in scripture. A couple of them, uh, Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were in prison and then the Lord sent the earthquake and he yelled out to the Philippian jailer, don't kill yourself, we're all here. The Philippian jailer came and when he saw that not only Paul and Silas were there, but all of the prisoners were there, his life was spared. He was so impressed, he fell down and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, well, ask Jesus to forgive your sins. That's not what he said. He says, confess all of your sins. That's not what he said. You know what he told the Philippian jailer? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe that he's already died for you. Believe that the provision was made by grace. And if you will put faith in what has already been done, then the power of God is released. He didn't ask him to confess his sins, to ask for healing. He said, believe that it's already been done and that you're forgiven. That's what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, that if you shall confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It doesn't mention confessing your sins. It doesn't mention asking to be born again. The truth is God has already died for the sins of the whole world. First John chapter two, verse two, I've already quoted that. He's propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. The sins of the whole world have already been paid for 2000 years ago. God has already forgiven the sins. Does that mean that everybody's saved? No, because you're saved by grace through faith. If a person doesn't believe that they're saved, if they don't make Jesus their Lord and receive it, then all that Jesus has done for them goes to naught. It doesn't accomplish anything because you have to reach out and by faith, take it. 
And see, it's the exact same thing. Colossians chapter two, verse six says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. How did you receive Jesus? Did you beg and ask him to come save you and and wait for him to come die for you? Or did you hear the good news that he had already died for you, that your sins were forgiven and you just believed and received? Well, that's the way that you receive everything else. Instead of begging God to heal you, believe that you've been healed, that you have the same power on the inside of you that raised Christ from the dead and just believe it and start walking in agreement, start talking in agreement, start acting in faith. And that faith doesn't make God heal you. That faith releases what God has already done. Here's two statements that took me 20 years to figure out. And some of you, when I say this, it's going to be so simple. You're going to think, boy, you are not very smart. (laughs) But this is just because this is the grip that religion had on me. And I was so messed up by this. And I believe that most people struggle. This This is more profound than you're going to recognize when I first say it. But here's two definitions of faith that just revolutionized my life. Faith is not something you do to make God move. If you think faith is something you do and then God moves in response to your faith, then that's not faith. You're into legalism. You're into works. And let me just say that that's where the vast majority, 80, 90% of the body of Christ lives in this place that you have to do something in order to get God to do something. That's wrong. And that's the reason you're frustrated and that's the reason things are not working. Faith is not something you do in order to gain a response from God. But here's a real simple definition. Faith is simply your positive response to what God has already done by grace. Now, again, most of you think that's not so profound. That's awesome. That's awesome. Faith is not something you do to get God to respond. Faith is your response, your positive response to what you believe God has already done it. And if God has already done it, Well, then that takes all the effort out of it. He's already done it. It's already there. I'm not trying to get healed. I'm already healed and I'm just resting in it and trusting in it. It's a totally different approach than the other way. Here's the second definition. This really helped me that faith is simply how you appropriate what has already been provided by grace. Most people think faith is something you do to get God to do something that he hasn't done yet. But faith is simply how you appropriate what God has already done by grace. That's huge. That's huge. And if God has already done it, then you don't struggle with this concept about will he do it? He's already done it. How can you doubt that he'll do what he's already done? If you really believed it was already done, you wouldn't struggle. You know, I've used this illustration a bunch of times, but when Jamie and I first got started in the ministry, we pastored a little church in Seagaville, Texas, and I had just come out of the army. I had a Bible that I had with me in Vietnam and the thing was mildewed. I had written, I used to write in my Bible. I had it written on so much that every page 
in the Bible was held together with scotch tape. You couldn't write on it anymore. It was just solid scotch tape. I had everything written. And I remember when I had to go get a new Bible that I just went through withdrawals for two or three years because I knew where everything was written and it was highlighted and starred. And and, and I was just, oh God, I can't stand the new Bible. And yet I couldn't use the old one. And I was going through withdrawals and the Lord said, you don't have it in your hearts what the problem is. You got it in your brain. It's, you know, how many stars are by it. And so anyway, I quit marking in my Bible because it wasn't in my heart. And now I've got it in my heart. And it was, it was hard. I'm not criticizing anybody who marks in your Bible, but I'm just saying that I had to go through these withdrawals. But my Bible was mildewed. It was all taped over. I had entire books of the Bible that were gone. They just weren't there. I'd lost them. I'd worn this Bible out and I was pastoring a church and I would say, turn over to James and it wasn't there. (laughs) See, this page is mostly not there. I don't know if you can see that, but that one's just about gone. Romans chapter six. And anyway, I'd turn over and it wasn't there. And so I'd have to quote it. That's one reason I can quote so many scriptures is I just faked it. (laughs) I didn't want the people to know I didn't have a whole Bible. And Jamie and I were so poor that I couldn't buy a Bible. I know some of you think that's not true. It was just the way you allocated your money. No, Jamie and I, our first year marriage, 12 months, our total income was $1,253 and we had a $100 a month payment on the rent house that we were in. I don't know how we survived. In our second year, our total income jumped up to $2,500. We doubled And when I say that we didn't have money, we would go weeks, weeks without eating anything. We wouldn't have anything in our refrigerator except some salt that we kept in the refrigerator because of the humidity in Texas. I mean, we had nothing. And so when when I say that we, it took me a while to believe for a Bible. I didn't have money in a savings account. I didn't have some, something else. I mean, we had nothing. It was survival. And it took me nearly six months to believe for 25 extra bucks so that I could go buy a Bible. And I just, it's like I drew a line in the sand and I said, you know, somewhere I have to start seeing physical manifestation of the power of God. It can't be that I'm just standing and believing God. There's got to be some tangible proof. And I just drew a line in the sand and I said, this is it. If I can't believe for 25 bucks to get a Bible, then what good am I to anybody else? How am I going to be able to lead anybody else into victory if I can't get $25 to buy a Bible? And so I just said in the name of Jesus, this is non-negotiable. I'm either going to get a Bible or I might as well quit the ministry. And I just said that this is it. And I started believing God for a Bible. And it took me like six months. And during my waking hours, I I just was focused on getting enough money to buy a Bible. It was my goal. I had to accomplish it. And during my waking hours, I would have thoughts just bombard me that you're never going to get it. It'll never work. How can you minister to somebody else when you don't even have a Bible? And I mean, I was plagued with doubt. And I'd have to throw those thoughts down and say, no, in the name of Jesus, it's mine. I've got it. But eventually I got $25. I went and bought a Bible. I had my name engraved on it. 
And I walked out of that bookstore and guess what? I had been plagued by thoughts of you won't get it. It won't work. It can't happen. But as soon as I had my Bible, I never one time doubted that I'd get it. (laughs) My doubts just quit. I walked out of that bookstore and I never doubted another time that I'd get that Bible once I had it. And some of you are thinking, well, of course not. Why would you doubt that you'd get it if you've already got it? That's my point. (laughs) You know why you're sitting there saying, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. And then your next thought is you're going to (laughs) die. And you say, no, in the name of, you know why you're going through that? Because you don't believe you've already got it. You believe that if I'll say it and try hard enough, then it will come to pass. But you don't believe it's already done. If you believed it was already done, you wouldn't worry about getting what you've already got. Man, that's so simple. You got to have somebody to help you to misunderstand that. (laughs) And yet we've had a lot of help misunderstanding this. Most of us have been taught all kinds of weird things. I'm telling you, it's just really this simple. If you could understand that by grace, God has already done everything. You're already forgiven. You're already healed. You're already blessed. You're already forget. You're already... Uh, prospered. Everything that you will ever need is already done. It's already there. Now you may not be able to see it because you have to mix faith with it. And it may take a period of time for you to grow in faith and learn how to speak and how to do some things. But if you knew that you had it, then you wouldn't doubt that you'd get it. You might say, well, I need to learn some things. I need to learn how to cooperate with this, how to get it out of my spirit and into my physical body. But I know I've got it. And if you were absolutely convinced that you, you had it, you wouldn't quit. You'd keep after it. An old blind squirrel to get a nut if he doesn't quit. You know what? And even if you don't know very much about the things of God, if you just knew that you had it and you kept after it, you would eventually see a physical manifestation of those things that you believe that you receive. But most of us don't really believe what God has already done by grace. And so we're over here trying to do something to make God respond. That's not faith. Faith only appropriates what God has already provided by grace. If he's already provided it, then you don't have to wonder, will he provide it? It's already provided. All you got to do is rest in it and learn how to receive what is already yours. Amen. So I'm right in the middle of this. I'm not through. I'm just going to quit. And we'll take up tonight. But man, there, this is really important. This transformed my life. This has totally changed my life. And it's given me, it'll give you a lot of answers if you understand what I'm talking about. Because if somebody tried to believe God for a healing and dies, and people say, well, then why didn't God heal them? God did heal them. God's healed every person. It was somewhere that person didn't make the connection. Something was wrong. I'm not saying that to be critical of anybody, but I'm saying if something doesn't come to pass, it's never God that misses it. It's always us that misses it. Some people are so insecure. They just can't handle that to think that you could possibly be wrong, that you could do something wrong. Man, all of us do a lot of things wrong. It doesn't bother me at all to recognize that I'm the problem. You know, if I'm the problem, then I can fix me. If God's my problem, then I'm in trouble. 
And this is where a lot of the body of Christ is. They just, they've done everything and God hasn't moved. They don't understand grace and faith and they think God's their problem. And man, that's why people get bitter at God. That's why people get angry at God. I mentioned it last night, but I just, it, I cannot relate to any person ever being angry at God. God has never done anything wrong. Man, he is righteous in every single thing. He has never missed it. God has never failed come through for a single person. It's us that fail to receive. If anybody ought to be mad, it ought to be God who's mad at us. But because of the grace of God, he's not. He's full of grace and mercy towards us. But man, this just answers so many questions. God has already provided everything, but it's up to us to receive. This is what Peter did. He knew that God had placed this power on the inside of him. And he just looked and said, such as I have, give I unto thee. He didn't even pray and ask God to heal this person. You've already got a command from God to go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. You don't have to pray and ask God to heal a person. It's God's will for every person to be healed. You just go and release the power of God. Again, you've got to realize that people can short circuit this. They have more control over them than you do. And if they're in total disbelief, unbelief or whatever, they can stop it. So I think it's wisdom to go and try and find out where this person is and solicit a response of faith and get them into agreement and stuff. But you're the one that has the power of God. You don't have to wait on God to heal a person. You don't have to wait on God to prosper you. You don't have to wait on God to give you joy and peace. God's already done his part. It's up to you. You can make these things manifest. You can make healing manifest in your body. It's up to you. You aren't waiting on God. God's waiting on you. Amen. I can tell some of you aren't blessed by this, but... You know, I've said this a lot, but if it's like when you rub a cat, if you rub against the grain and all of their hair stands up, the way you solve that problem is you just turn the cat around and keep rubbing. <laughs> if what I've said rubbed you the wrong way, just repent, turn around and it'll go to feeling good. Amen. <laughs> Give it some time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Father, we love you and we just thank you so much that through Jesus, you've already provided everything, that your part is done, that you've anticipated every problem that the entire world could ever have and you dealt with all of it and that you placed this raising from the dead power on the inside of us. We thank you for that. And I pray that today people would just reach out and put faith in the fact that you've already done it, that they would quit begging you to do it, but they would start thanking you that it's done and acting like they believe that you are faithful and that you've fulfilled your word. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And I believe that this faith has quickened on the inside of people that Father, they are now ready to stand and to believe and to release this supernatural power of God that's on the inside of them. So we thank you for it and we receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we had, I believe, uh, uh, Carly told me, I think it was 66 people come forward for the baptism last night and six people got born again. Praise the Lord. 
But you know what? We got a new crowd. There's new people here and I don't want to take it for granted. If you aren't born again, you must be born again. Every person has to receive. Jesus has already paid for it. It's just a matter of will you make him your Lord? And so if you have never made Jesus your personal Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And then once you get born again, the Bible also says that for us to have victory and power in our life, it's not us living, but it's Christ living in us. And Jesus said he would give us power when the Holy Ghost came upon us. And that includes a lot of different things, but it includes speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is a super important, powerful part of the Christian life. And if anybody here hasn't made Jesus your personal Lord and received salvation, or if you've been born again, but if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you need to receive that. I promise you, every person, doesn't matter where you are, what you're called to do, every person needs those two things. Is there anybody here today who would say, I need one or both of those? I either need to make Jesus my Lord or I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Let me pray with you. And we're going we're gonna to help you to receive. God's already provided. We're just going to receive. Man, that's awesome. You know, if you raised your hand or if you were too afraid to raise your hand, would you just get up out of your chair anyway and come forward? And we want to pray with you and help you to receive right here. Come forward right now and let us minister to you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, this is awesome. This is going to change your life. I believe you're going to be stronger than horseradish. Praise the Lord. Awesome. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Well, this is great. All right, before you can receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, the Bible says that Jesus is the one who fills us with the Holy Spirit. So you have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anybody down here who's not absolutely certain whether or not you're born again? Anybody? If you aren't sure, I need to pray with you first, lead you in a simple prayer and help you to receive salvation before you receive being born again. You want to make sure? Amen. All right, here's another one. You know, I'm not trying to talk you out of your faith, but there's just so many people today who are assuming that they're a Christian because they believe that Jesus is the son of God. They may go to church every once in a while and they're a moral person. But that's not what salvation is. Salvation is making Jesus your personal Lord. Romans 10, 9, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God isn't salvation. The Bible says in James 2, 19, that the devil believes and tremble at the name of God but he's not saved. You've got to make a commitment of your life. Is there anybody else here who's not sure you've really done that? Here's another lady. Anybody else? Here's another one. Anybody else? It won't work. You can't receive the Holy Spirit until you receive Jesus. So you got to be sure. Okay. So here's four people. We're going to pray with you. I'm going to lead you in a real simple prayer. You don't have to say the words that I say, but I'm going to pray a prayer similar to what it says in Romans 10, 9. And if you will say these words and believe it in your heart, then you'll be born again. That's what the Bible says. Amen. Isn't that good? 
God's already forgiven your sins. It's not a matter of will he forgive you. He's done it. It's a matter of will you receive by making Jesus your personal Lord. So I want you to repeat this after me. And I'd like to ask everybody here to pray this so that they won't feel like we're just listening to them. Just say this. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sins. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you now live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. In Jesus' name. Amen. You believe that? Awesome. Man, you just passed from death to life. You know what? These people still look the same on the outside. These are women. That's a man. But you know what? On the inside, you are a brand new person. You are just totally changed. You're clean. You're pure. You're forgiven. I've got a book that's going to explain all of this to you. But now, according to the scripture, every person down here has made Jesus your Lord. And according to the scripture, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says that twice in 1 Corinthians. So this means that God, these people just got born again. In their spirit, they were forgiven of all of their sin. They are now a temple, a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. This means that this is what you were created for. This is what God made you for. You don't have to beg and plead and wonder, will he come in if I ask him? You were created for this. He's been waiting on this opportunity. All he's wanting is an opportunity. He doesn't force himself upon us. You have to invite the Lord in. So this is really significant. You don't have to worry, will he do this? He has already done it. He's been waiting on you to open up and receive this. So all we're going to do is pray a simple prayer and we're going to kind of just open up the doors of our temple and say, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We want you now to come in and control our life. We want your power. We want this gift of speaking in tongues. And when you open up and allow God to come in, he's going to come flooding into your life with power and it's going to change you. So I'm going to lead you in a real simple prayer, just opening up the doors of your heart and allowing the Holy Spirit to come. And then we've got prayer ministers that are going to come up here and they're going to stand behind you and lay hands on you because the Bible says that when you lay hands on people, the Holy Spirit was released. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Then these people are going to come and they're going to lay hands on you and uh, release the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the scripture says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's a promise. You would give good things to your kids. Your heavenly father wants to give the Holy Spirit to you. So after we ask, I want you to quit asking and start believing and just thanking that he gave you the Holy Spirit. And so after they lay hands on you, I want you to quit asking and instead start thanking him out loud with your voice. Start saying, thank you, Father. And I want you to lift your hands like this when we pray, because the Bible says when you lift up your hands, you bless the Lord. This blesses God. It's, it's a scriptural thing to do. It's like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you go, I yield, I surrender. Man, you just are surrendering to God. So I'm going to lead you in prayer. They're going to pray for you. 
release the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to lift our hands and go to thanking God. And then the Bible says that when you pray in tongues, you're giving thanks. So we're going to start praying in our tongue and start thanking God for giving you the Holy Spirit. And at that time, I want you to quit thanking him in English and go to thanking him in tongues and go to speaking in tongues. And I know some of you are thinking, how do you speak in tongues? What do I do? I've got a whole book that I've written and I'm going to give it to you and this will answer your questions. But real quickly, here's one thing that stops a lot of people from speaking in tongues. They think that the Holy Spirit's going to force you to speak in tongues. So they just open their mouth and wait on the Holy Spirit to just control you. That's not how it happens. It's like when I preach today, I believe God spoke through me, but he didn't force me to say what I said. That's the reason it came out in Texan. That's the reason it came out in my personality. It was me speaking, but God inspired it. Speaking in tongues is the same way. You have to speak. You have to make sounds and by faith believe that the Holy Spirit's inspiring it. And when you first do it, it'll be so weird to you that you'll think, is this really God? But I promise you, if you continue on, God will confirm it to you and show you that he's inspiring it and you're bypassing your brain, praying straight from your born again spirit. It's powerful. This book will help you, but that's what we're going to do. And if you're ready, you can speak in tongues right now. Isn't that good? The Bible says believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer and I will speak in tongues. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you and we just praise you for all of these people. Thank you for these that got born again that received their salvation, received what you've already done for them. That Father, we are now all the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for making us a dwelling place. We believe that you want this more than we want it. So we just open up the doors of our temple right now. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We want your power. We want this gift of speaking in tongues. And not only that, but all of the gifts, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We want you to rule and reign and control our life. So we open up our hearts and welcome you to come in right now. We lay hands on you and say, receive the Holy Spirit. We release this power and anointing of the Holy Spirit to flow into your life right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Boy, here's the power and the anointing of God. Thank you, Jesus. Get those hands up. Let's go to praising God and thanking him out loud that he gave you the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's start praying right now. Pray in tongues. And as we speak in tongues, you should switch over from speaking in English to speaking in tongues. You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. You're going to have to open your mouth and you're going to have to start making sounds. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear the person behind you saying, but your tongue will be different than theirs. It'll be unique to you. You can't say the same thing that they're saying, but once you start trying and it comes out different, just keep talking. Thank you, Jesus. Just speak right now. That's it, man. Many, many, many of these are speaking in tongues. 
Isn't that awesome? Just speak out. Be bold with it. Don't worry about what it sounds like. You know, when a little baby first starts talking, it doesn't sound like English. But that parent knows what that child's trying to say. And I guarantee you that father is just excited. Your heavenly father is excited that you are speaking from your spirit. You aren't talking from your brain. You're talking from your spirit. It's powerful. Just speak out. Be bold with it. You're worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Man, it looks like just about every one of these, I believe, is speaking in tongues. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me have your attention here for just a minute. You know, what's happened to you today is more important than any of you realize. I can promise you that. I don't care if you had a wonderful feeling and experience with the Lord. This is bigger than you know. You've got to really understand what's happened to get the full impact of this. And even if you didn't speak in tongues or if you had problems speaking in tongues, I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit because he promised that he would. When I first prayed and asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I didn't speak in tongues for three and a half years, but that's because I was a Baptist. (laughs) And I'd been told that this was of the devil. And I just had so much fear that it hindered me. But you know what? I got my questions answered. I speak in tongues a lot now. And I've written a book and I promise you, if you'll take this book and read it, it will help you. And every one of you can go ahead and speak in tongues and get the full benefit of this experience. It's going to be a life-changing experience. So this is Robert right here. He's got his Bible in the air and we've got a room right there that they've got the books in that, well, I'd like to give you a book. There's also people that if you have a question, they'll answer your questions. They'll pray with you. They'll do anything they can to help you. So just follow Robert right here. We want to give you a book. It'll only take a few minutes and then you'll be able uh, to come back. Praise God. Let's praise God for all of these. God bless you, brother. Awesome. You're welcome. You're welcome. God bless you. Isn't that great? Praise God. Hallelujah. Awesome. Awesome. They've got people in here that'll pray with you and help you. You know, let me remind you too, that we've got these two meetings. Actually, it's just one meeting, but they're going to be called, they're going to be dealing with the uh, pastor's continuing education thing. And then also they're going to have a a meeting about the ministerial association that we're starting. We call it uh, Associated of Related Ministries International, A-R-M-I, Army. We want you to join the army. Amen. Praise God. So it'll be good for you. So these are our prayer ministers here. And I tell you, these are people that know God. They love God. They have prayed. Many of them have traveled with us and have prayed with us and they'll be a blessing to you. So if you need prayer for anything, please come forward right now and let one of our prayer ministers agree with you and pray with you. The rest of you, I'm going to release you. Remember these, these meetings that are going on. And also we've got uh, CDs and DVDs of last night and this morning already duplicated and they're available out there and it would really bless you or bless someone else to get this teaching and to share it with them. I always have somebody come up and ask if, you know, they aren't going to be here tonight. Could they get tonight's teaching? And the answer is no. 
And I'm not going to explain that any further, but you can't get tonight's teaching yet. You have to wait until I teach it. Amen. But please take advantage of these things. If you need prayer, come forward right now and let someone pray with you and we'll agree and we're going to believe God for a miracle. Amen. Anybody need prayer? If you need prayer, come forward. That's what we're here for. We want to pray with you and help you to receive. God bless you, brother. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we just agree with all of these and we thank you that in the name of Jesus, you have already healed us. You've already provided. And so we just receive your provision right now. You know, there's somebody here that I don't know why you haven't come forward, but there's somebody here that's got back problems. And for whatever reason, you hadn't come forward. Here's the Lord manifesting that healing. Who's, who, if you've got back problems here and you didn't come forward, I want you to raise your hand so I can see who this is. God's ministering a healing to you. Do you have pain right now? One of them saying yes. Anybody else over here? If this is you, I want you to stand up and raise your hand so I can see who this is. Right here is your healing. I'm going to speak this over you and you receive this healing right now. Okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are healing these backs. Whatever has caused this back problem, in the name of Jesus, backs, you be healed. Pain, you be gone. Whatever's causing that pain, I command the root of this pain to leave them right now. Pain be gone. Right there's pain leaving your backs. You can move around. You can begin to do, bend, do things that you couldn't do. Here's pain gone. You're healed right now. And whatever was causing that pain is over. In the name of Jesus, Father, we receive your physical manifestations right now healing all of these backs in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Who in here has already had your back pain go as we were praying? Right over here. Here's two, three, four, five. Anybody else? Your back pain's already gone. Six over here. And you know what? I want to tell all the rest of you that if God healed six of you, he healed all of you. It was by grace. It's done. You just have to make a connection with your faith, with what God has already done, but God has already healed you. He didn't just heal six out of a dozen. He healed all dozen. 2,000 years ago, it was already done. You just have to receive. Sometimes you've got to, you know, if you've been sick in your body for a long time, you'll find out it gets in your brain. You go to thinking sick. You don't, you're afraid to be normal. You've been sick so long. So sometimes it takes a while to renew your mind, to get rid of the fear or whatever. But God healed every single person. It's already done. It's just a matter of you receiving, not God giving. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive all of these healings right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Somebody here has got a problem with your stomach. I don't know exactly what that is, but you've got a severe problem with your stomach. There's reactions sometimes when you eat that your stomach just hurts. It ties up in knots. All kinds of things happen and it causes a lot of problems. Who's that that's got this problem with your stomach? I want you to stand up and raise your hand so I can see who this is. 
right over here. Praise God. Anybody else? Here's another one back here. Here's another one. Here's five. Father, in the name of Jesus, for all of these, whatever has caused this problem with their stomach or their colon here, in Jesus' name, we command this problem to be gone. Satan, you loose them and let go of them. Get off of their body. We command this pain, this discomfort to be gone now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Boy, there's people being set free. Brother, you're free. You're going to be able to eat anything that's good for you. It's not going to bother you anymore. Father, we receive these healings. Thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. And Father, we receive this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, there's a number of people here. The Lord just spoke to me that you've had problems with your eyes. Not just eyesight, but it causes headaches. Your eyes are sensitive to light and uh, things like this. And you've had problems with your eyes that they just hurt. causes your head to hurt. Who's that? I want you to identify yourself. Way in the back, here's another one here. Anybody else? Here's one over here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these. And right now, whatever these problems with their eyes are, these sensitivities, we command this to stop now. Father, I loose your anointing and command these eyes to be totally healed, health and healing to come unto them. We believe it's already been done and that this power is in us and we release it right now and command all of this eyesight problem, these headaches, pain to be gone right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we agree and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are going to see a difference today. You're going to see a difference. Praise God. I believe that problem's over now in the name of Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Boy, a lot of good things are happening. God's healing people. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just believe that every single thing that you've already provided, we receive it today. We refuse to leave it on the table. We want what is rightfully ours. And we reach out and take it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Awesome. Well, I'm going to let you go. Remember that we have a service tonight at six, uh, 7 o'clock and then tomorrow they're 10 o'clock and 6 p.m. We start an hour earlier on Saturday so that our crew can get through at two instead of three, tearing down and putting everything up. Amen. So thanks for coming. God bless you. You're dismissed. Praise the Lord.